As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. The Athletic. Race is on, and on our last podcast, we asked Andretti to put up or shut up as far as its F1 aspirations are concerned, and it has done just that. And then some. It has announced its plan to enter F1 using the GM-owned Cadillac brand. So what's the plan, and when might we see a caddy on the Grand Prix grid? I'm Ed Shaw, and joining us to answer those questions and more are Scott Mitchell-Malm and Jack Benyon. Well, given this is very much a follow-up to our last podcast, we'll get straight into it. But Scott, are you satisfied with the extent to which Andretti has put up with this announcement? Yeah, um, I already had uh, one person tweet me after the news just to say, um, uh, "What did they? What did they say?" Um, oh, they, they they tweeted with money greater than mouth, uh, which I thought was quite good. And I wasn't sure if that was a direct response to obviously the stuff that I was saying after. Uh, the FIA news the other day. And I stressed this at the time with something I wrote on the website and also I think in a YouTube video that we did. Um, it was blunt, but it wasn't intended to be disrespectful. It was a reflection of the attitude F1 had towards Andretti rather than, let's say, my own personal opinion or or anything like this. It was basically, okay, the FIA is finally going to actually open the entry process. You're finally going to have a chance to make your full bid. So let's see what you've got. I tell you what, they... They've got way more than I thought they had. I, this was uh, I didn't I don't hear anybody saying or even claiming that they saw this coming. Um, this this is absolutely proper. F one basically said we don't really care about you. Come back when you have got something we can care about. And Andretti just went. You just watch me, chief, and came back with a, a a proper massive company like General Motors and a cool brand like Cadillac. Yeah, well, it's just put meat on the bone, hasn't it? That's what we've been looking for things to convince us that it's got the resources and the know-how and everything. And, and this is very, very compelling. And Jack Banyan, obviously on this podcast, because of your expertise in all things Andretti, Jack is our IndyCar correspondent, but let's start to break it down. 
we've known Andretti keen on F1 for some time, but how long has General Motors been part of this? Well, first of all, I'm waiting for the race F1 podcast version of basically fixing all of motorsports problems where you call it put up or shut up and you just shout basically uh, problems in motorsport and fix them all by just doing a podcast on it because that's going to be great. So That's not far off what we do, to be honest. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next uh, F1 rule cycle being Kent Engine, Formula Fords and stuff like that. So good luck with that, guys, and uh, keep up the good work. And on to your question, it's been four or five months, roughly. The conversations have been flowing between General Motors and Andretti, or at least that's what they say the the kind of period has been. It's certainly been a, a well-kept secret, especially in IndyCar circles. I think the, the Christmas and New Year period perhaps has helped that uh, a little bit with people kind of moving away. Not so many interviews with uh, journalists like myself uh, asking prodding and poking questions about what's going on in the background and maybe that's just helped them uh, keep a bit of a cloak of invisibility over uh, over this deal but certainly um, as uh, Scott mentioned uh, a very big kind of uh, uh, comeback in terms of uh, obviously they were listening to the podcast and uh, weren't very happy with what you were saying and, and you know obviously brought back General Motors so you can't argue with that I, I guess the Andretti element is is you know, really important because General Motors weren't necessarily searching to do Formula 1 as uh, Mark Rao said in the in the comments today based off of the announcement that the this, the GM has looked at F1 before, but has not necessarily been searching to do it. It has been something that they've been persuaded into by the the strength and the, the quality of the Andretti uh, package, I guess you could call it, that's been put together over the, the past couple of years. So that's an interesting element of this as well. Yeah, very much Andretti coming to them as the starting point. Scott, it's a big deal because GM has never been directly involved with Formula One before. It's something they very, very, very vaguely looked at in the past. And obviously the Cadillac brand, which is a slightly surprising brand to go into F1, hasn't been an F1 before. So why are they using the Cadillac brand? Well, there's a desire to uh, increase the global awareness or profile, I suppose, of, of, of Cadillac. And obviously F1 is a fantastic way to do that, but there will also be a domestic element to this as well. F1's um, growth in the US has been very impressive in the last few years, and I think uh, I think it was only a matter of time before a big American manufacturer wanted a piece of the pie. Um, General Motors has always felt like um, the sort of car company that got away from F1 to just. If you look at the, the the biggest car companies in the world, and you think, okay, who would have an F one program? It's a, a bit of a surprise that we're waiting until now for for GM to get in on the act. But Cadillac is an interesting one because it's a certainly a brand that that has some impressive motorsport pedigree. It's actually um, GM is also a, a company that is familiar to to Andretti, um, so. It ticks a lot of boxes just from a just from a perspective of how you can have your organizations working together because while there is a lot of racing pedigree within the company that's GM um I don't think I'd be a I don't think I'd be totally confident in a GM racing entry for example or even a Cadillac racing entry you know starting something from scratch I don't I still am not 100% convinced in Andretti's capabilities um but i would say that if you've got an organization like andretti that's going to lead the project you've got a brand like cadillac that you're going to slap onto it and tap into and you've got the might of gm behind it in terms of the resources that they could offer and i'm sure funding that they'll put into it then in terms of putting your you know 
putting all the pieces together and aligning different pillars to this project from an from an all American racing team point of view because that is a deliberate strategy here is to make it all American. I'm struggling to think of how you could do it better. Certainly, it has the potential to work really well. And when it comes to this team, Jack, what exactly is it in terms of the nuts and bolts? Is it going to be US-based? Is it going to be European-based? Is this a proper Team America effort? How exactly is it being set up? Well, there's a new headquarters being built in Fishers, Indiana, which is a, a massive project, one which Andretti is kind of bringing everything it, it does kind of in-house, which is a massive project for them. It needs a big factory and it certainly looks spectacular if you've seen pictures of the the renderings and, and things like that. They've also announced recently that they're joining with Wayne Taylor Racing to do some sports car racing in America as well. And they'll bring that in-house. So not only... Uh, you know, add into the, the F1 portfolio to the factory on top of everything else that it is they, they do already pretty much. Uh, they're also adding some sports car stuff in there as well and, and expanding in different areas as well. So uh, it's definitely going to be a busy factory. And uh, yeah, Michael referred to uh, a European base for, for the F1 programme in his comments today. And then the press release that followed actually specifically said the UK. So I guess we can expect a, a UK element for, for this project, uh, a sort of, I think satellite was the word that Michael used. So um you know, we all know all of the Formula One teams operate out of those, uh, you know, that kind of European area and it's important for the logis- logistics side of things as well. So um, that's definitely the plan. But you also referred to other series as well, which is interesting. And in the past, Michael's been very sort of complimentary about wanting to have uh, Formula Two and Formula Three programs and, and have the opportunity to to bring on young American drivers, not just necessarily pluck them out of IndyCar, although that's what they, you know, it looks like they'll do with Colton Herter or, or certainly want to do. Um but we all know that Formula 3 and Formula 2 is the the kind of the the usual route for drivers into a, a top-level programme in, in Formula 1. So um, Michael's definitely discussed that as a possibility before for, for bringing some American drivers through the, the junior single-seater ladder in, in a sort of European setting. So there's definitely an opportunity for that UK base to, to be a lot bigger than just Formula 1. Michael's uh, referred to that directly. And I think they're going to have to have some design and development capability in Europe, just from a pure staff perspective, getting a load of F1 experienced staff to relocate to the US on top of the geographical distance is not necessarily going to make sense. But certainly they can have separate bases working together. I guess Colton Herter is the thing we should talk about because there was mention of the desire for an American driver. Colton Herter is the obvious one. He's the young up-and-comer in IndyCar. He's on Andretti's books. He almost got an F1 seat with Alpha Tauri this year before the Super License. So should we expect Herter to be an F1 with them, Jack? And kind of what happens between then and now, given it's it's impossible to see this entry happening before 26. So that's quite a lot of time to fill, isn't it? Yeah, I guess the first thing that they need to do is to uh, to to get Colton a super license. That's the the main factor in in that, I guess. Which you know is they are capable of doing that before the Andretti entry comes to fruition. Uh, but but that will be high on their priorities list, I imagine. It was asked. Uh, Michael was asked about Colton Herter today and kind of stopped short of confirming that he would be a driver for the team, but also definitely didn't rule it out and said that they were you know a very big fan of. Of Colton, he was someone that they were very interested in, um, and obviously he signed a, a contract extension recently, which takes him to, I think, uh, through 2027 uh, or at least through 2026. So, um, as this project is kind of building up and, and coming towards actually getting on the F1 grid, Colton's still going to be under contract at Andretti, and uh, you know you have to believe that there's an element in that contract um, that they've both agreed that that helps Colton get to Formula One via Andretti. So, yeah, I think. Um, you know, all this will be good news for Colton. He's probably um, 
you know, he's been on a bit of a roller coaster ride in terms of thinking maybe he'd have a Formula One seat. It's it's come close and then it's gone. It's come close and then it's gone in in various different teams, even uh, which is you know even more unusual when you think about it. Whether it be with the Andretti project or with uh, Red Bull through Alpha Tauri, he's had um, the promise of many opportunities and none of them have uh, actually come to fruition yet. So. Yeah, I guess uh, the the super license is the next thing, and you know, for people like me, there'll still be questions over Colton developing as a driver and becoming, you know, more consistent. There's absolutely no doubt over his speed, but you know, in my opinion, the drivers who are in the conversation for Formula One all have speed. That's something that they all have in the locker. It's you know, being consistent, it's working with the teams to to develop the cars and you know to be a, an all-rounder and, and that's something Colton who's still very young admittedly I'm not saying he should be the you know the ultimate rounded driver who's perfect at ab- absolutely everything just yet but I think he's definitely shown signs of being inconsistent at times and that's something he'll have the opportunity to work on a little bit in a I guess a, a lower pressure environment in IndyCar somewhere that he knows well and a paddock that he knows very well it'll be time for him to to try to develop some of the, some of those skills before he is thrown in at the deep end in, in Formula One without some of that you know Formula Two and Formula Three experience that we discussed earlier. This is the part of the Herta uh, F1 saga that's been missing, isn't it? He will do what he needs to do ne- uh, this year now and get the super license, and then Andretti's uh, F1 entry will be rejected. So he'll <laughs> finally get this. He'll finally get the license and be ready. To, to, to do it but he won't he won't have a seat on on the grid or something ridiculous um like that I mean he's a no-brainer for them he has been from the very start um it will I'd be surprised given his ability if he doesn't do what it takes to get a super license but we know that IndyCar is an incredibly competitive series and there is ultimately a reason he doesn't have a super license until now there are some drivers in IndyCar who have done enough to get a super license they've won the championship and they've had better results than Colton has had. And Andresi plays a part in that, which comes back to one of the slight concerns I have over how good they would actually be in, in Formula One. But obviously this is a very, very different project to what IndyCar would be like. Um, my guess is that they would want to pair Colton with an experienced um, experienced F1 driver. I think it's a... I, I, because we're talking about 2026 here, even though it hasn't obviously been stated as such because we wait for the FAA's call for expression of interest to officially outline that, but it will not be before 2026. But that, I, I think that will feed into F1 and the FAA saying, okay, we're going to let a new team in, but we want them to do it properly, so they need a good run-up for it. Um, I think Roman Grosjean will be too old by 2026 to, to do a job, but if you could trust him to be like he was for Haas and have that level of ability... Um, I think a Herta Grosjean partnership could have quite a fun high upside for for this kind of thing, but I suspect it's slightly out of Roman's reach. Well, I'm going to go for a Colton Herta Mario Andretti lineup. <laughs> I'm sure Mario would uh, would give it a good go. Although... <laughs> Unfinished business. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the experience, hasn't that's he? That's the only re- that's the only reason he's been so committed to this project through thick and thin is because he's just like this is my last chance to make it happen. He's probably got a super license as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he'll be 85, 86 come 2026. He'll still have it in him, I'm very <laughs> sure. But yeah, the interesting thing will be if they try and get Colton Herter into F1 as an advanced party, if if you like, and it would make sense for them to do so over the coming years if they can and if he can get a super license. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Scott, let's talk about engine plans now. Is there a Cadillac GM engine in the works now? Uh, I don't think so immediately. Um, the, the 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 claim today that we heard was that they have an agreement for a for a supplier, basically, um, from um, from an experienced F one manufacturer. Is the implication now? When this project existed in its previous form as Andretti Global, the independent Andretti effort, we know that there was a deal in place to in in principle to use Renault engines now. That could be what they're referring to here, uh, but there's also a suggestion that they might have done some kind of deal or might be looking to do some kind of deal with Honda because there is some General Motors uh, Honda crossover in the background on the electric vehicle side in terms of a collaboration there. Um, so the argument is is that it's logical for, for them to pursue that. I don't think it's that straightforward because I think a... I think a in the back I think an in the background mass production car technology transfer deal is very very different to a prominent badging deal in Formula 1 and if Honda is spending a fortune on a brand new power unit for 2026 I don't think they just willingly hand that over for one of their for for a big rival in the US ultimately like the US is a huge huge massively important market for Honda General Motors is the biggest company in America, the biggest US company. Why would Honda then just say, okay, well, here you go for one of your brands. Here's free. Um, here's here's a chance for you to claim credit for an F1 engine that we've built. I, 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 I struggle to see the business rationale behind that. I suspect if there was any Andretti Honda potential, it started before the GM stuff started. Um, that's not to say it's not possible and that it may, maybe it will happen. But I think there will be some. I think there'll be a few things about it that need to be massaged to make sure that it works. Um, whatever happens for 2026, if this team gets on the grid, I think it'll be powered by either a Renault or a Honda engine. And then I think longer term, I wouldn't rule out some kind of in-house project that makes it an absolute fully fledged Pucker Works team because there's a lot of engineering capability within General Motors. Um, they've already talked about unleashing the full might of everything that they have to offer. And there's been a big emphasis within that on certain things within engine development as well. Now that stuff could have just been said as lip service, but it could also be a pointer of, no, we, we're in here for the long haul and we intend to do this seriously. The um, An obvious sticking point is that there was a, a notional deadline to sign up for the 2026 engine regs recently and um, Cadillac or General Motors were not um, among the manufacturers that did that but you can sign up after that deadline you, there just needs to be a bit of negotiating behind the scenes so let's say the new engine regs cover 26 to 30 i i think there's nothing necessarily stopping them from building their own engine and running their own engine within that period if they wanted to 
equally it could well be that they'll their priority will be to make sure that everything's there for the racing team for the first few years and then once the racing team's established and hopefully starting to achieve a bit of success on track they'll be able to turn that into a um, an engine project as well let's say from 2030 onwards I like reading a little bit too much into it but I wonder if it's a, a kind of predetermined plan from GM, GM as well because it seems like everyone kind of gets their cake and eats it in this scenario. Andretti get the backing of GM to get on the grid. GM has its name involved in a big high profile Formula One program. But if it does harbour any of the kind of doubts over whether Andretti can make this program a a successful Formula One team, as you kind of referred to earlier, Scott, some of the things you were talking about, about the, you know, whether the team can perform at at the absolute top level, then GM hasn't gone through the process of developing a a really expensive engine program to to go with this. So I might be reading too much uh, into the the kind of background of it or attributing uh, kind of plans that aren't there, but it definitely seems like this is the, the way it's set up at the moment is the absolute best case scenario for all of the parties that are involved. Well, I don't see any evidence of any manufacturer at the moment yet taking the plunge of committing to a new team and engine at the same time. You know, look at Audi, for example. They are setting up the engine facility and putting a huge amount of investment there, but they're taking over another team. And while there was obviously or there will be a significant cost involved in that as they up their stake in Sauber, that they are not starting a new team from scratch at the same time they are starting an F1 engine program from scratch. So there's a little bit of um, strategic thought has gone into that. Likewise, I'm sure it is on this side as well. They've probably looked at it and gone, do we really want to, this is General Motors and, and Cadillac, do we really want to be helping fund a brand new F1 team and also entering an F1 for the first time as an engine manufacturer? Probably not. So I think... It's not baby steps because I don't think you can count a a partnership to get onto the F1 grid as a baby step at all. But it's very much taking it bit by bit, and and I can see it. I can see it going one of two ways, really. Either either it will be unsuccessful, and there'll be some worrying signs early on, so there'll be a little bit of a a flee away from it to make sure that you don't sink too much money into a lost cause, or there'll be some encouraging signs early on. There'll be a real commitment to this project long term and then they'll see if they can grow it from there the one one thing that's worth considering in all this is that one of the reasons that f1 was quite cold towards andretti over the last year or so is because i think they've always had an automotive company an automotive manufacturer in mind for an 11th team i think they've always wanted that to be what they expand the grid for now this is and isn't a works team. It's a works team in the sense that it's going to have General Motors backing and it's going to bear the Cadillac name, but it's not. It's unlikely to have their engine in the car and it's going to be Andretti that sort of runs the team on their behalf as well. So at, to begin with, it's not going to be an out-and-out works team, but I'm sure one of the things that they will argue in their favour when it comes to making the full application will be to F1 and say, look, you wanted a manufacturer We've got one of the biggest car companies possible alongside. We've got a huge brand that's joining, and we have the pros. We do have actually the the potential to become an engine manufacturer in the future as well. So, what other new teams going to offer you all of that? I think that I think that's definitely something that's in the Andretti Cadillac favour at the moment. Yeah, it would certainly be asking an awful lot in terms of investment to have an engine program and a team coming together at the same time. Just in terms of the sheer financial requirement let alone all the rest of it so it does make it slightly more manageable 
chunks. And Jack, we have heard quite a bit from the Andretti camp over the past year or so, but it's never given us those those extra details until this was announced today. Uh, you were in the press conference that uh, that was held. How confident does Michael Andretti sound about this whole thing? Is it is it convincing and compelling what he has to say? Well, he said he's a thousand percent sure that they have a chance of being on the F1 grid. So I guess read into that what you will. I hope his maths is better than that when it comes to working out how to pay for the team, given that that's, that's just not a percentage that works. <laughs> I think the, the only other thing that's kind of worth, uh, I guess, adding to the equation in, in whether, you know, you know, kind of how confident Michael sounds about this or, or how confident everyone involved in the project sounds about it is that I think this is a big announcement for GM to put their name to and for them to, you know, have not, for, for them to not be sure that they were going to be on the F1 grid or have a really good chance of it, and make this announcement sounds like uh, something that they wouldn't do in, in my opinion. Um, you know, maybe Andretti asked GM to, to be part of this announcement and make this announcement to help push the team over the line. And that's of course a, a possibility, but for me, I, I don't think GM would have, you know, agreed to this whole shebang uh, without, you know, being fairly sure that, that this was going to be possible. And, you know, we've seen, um, you know, plenty of support for the team. We've seen, you know, uh, I guess F1, you know, opening the door, with the the discussion last week about potentially opening up the you know the entry to to new teams and and manufacturers, so I guess everything's been trending towards over the past week has been trending towards you know making this uh, a possibility and making it more likely. Now, obviously, we don't have a, a confirmation yet or a, an absolute you know we can't sit here and say now that we're definitely going to have a an Andretti GM team on the grid, but all sides point to it and it seems uh, extremely likely from everything that we've seen over the over the past twenty four hours. And there will have been some dialogue going on behind the scenes as well. That will have been taking place. So that presumably gives them some confidence. But Scott, we talked on the podcast we previously recorded about the new teams, about the necessity for a high bar for entry. And surely this GM Andretti alliance ticks all those boxes. This is what certainly the FIA and Mohammed bin Suleyem are looking for from 11th team. Yeah, I, it has to. The this has been one of my. This was my first thought when when we heard the news, and uh, I've ex- sort of expanded on it as well in a, a piece of written for for the race website. Um, if this kind of partnership can't convince them that it merits a place on the grid, I, I don't see what can, because when you look at the basic rationale, or not necessarily the rationale, but the the selection criteria, let's say. Um, you got you have everything from you know racing background, technical capability, f- fun, potential for funding, the value you bring to a championship, and I, I see Andretti and Cadillac combined just passing that with flying colours. I, I think they they do like Andre, like Michael said they 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 tick every box that they can ask for. The the one the only thing they were missing was not being manufacturer affiliated and now they are going to be affiliated to a manufacturer so that is super super significant and I go back to one thing I said right at the very beginning um the skepticism around the Andretti entry was because it was this slightly abstract idea with a lot of talk behind it and just an assumption that because the Andretti name is well known therefore we should take the entry seriously I was wary of I, I certainly believe they should be given the benefit of the doubt so that when they talked about it, you report what they say and you take what they say seriously. But just because they're a famous name didn't mean, didn't there was no guarantee associated with that that an F1 project of theirs would be 
serious to the point of being competitive and giving the giving you the confidence that it would be competitive and in it for the long haul. I think that's that's the key thing. But you don't strike a deal like this with GM and, and Cadillac to be an F1 for two or three years and then disappear with the tail between your legs. You don't do it to half-arse it sort of 20, 20 odd million below the budget cap or, or, or anything like that. It's going to be an absolutely proper, proper F1 project. It elevates it to a level that Andretti simply wasn't when it was on its own. So yeah, absolutely. I think even... I wouldn't count us among these, even though it might have sounded like this before, but even the hardest sceptics of Michael Andretti before now must admit that this changes things. Yeah, I think for me, what it confirms is that the backing should be behind it. We knew Andretti had some pretty substantial backing, but we didn't know if it was enough. But GM brings that, especially given what we were talking about with it being part of the Cadillac global promotional strategy. Toto Wolff's ended up being the person who keeps being asked about Andretti and new teams and he's talked about the value they bring to F1 the need for them to invest in activation to help grow F1 and Cadillac coming in GM coming in gives that injection that should confirm that it will do that and of course the 10 teams collectively will have to be convinced this is a good idea as well as the FIA and there is that anti-dilution fee the 200 million dollars we talked about yesterday that can be waived if they think it's definitely worthwhile. So that's still a possibility. So it certainly makes the case to the other teams more compelling. I think it's important to mention as well that uh, Michael said today that they've hired a technical director already and they've made uh, good progress you know, in terms of the factory, in terms of bringing people in and um, starting to, to kind of staff the technical department as well. So you know, sometimes it is, you know, as a journalist, you're going to report on you know, the stuff that you find out or, or the stuff that, you know, people talk about, obviously, when it comes to the team. But there is stuff going on in the background there, it's clear. And when you do get to spend a bit more time with Michael and he, he is available to the media and does talk, he does tend to drop these kind of nuggets every time you speak to him of, of little bits of information that you you kind of wish were a bit more frequent and, and kind of came out a bit more publicly more because it might give you a little bit, you know, it might substantiate the programme a, a little bit more than maybe it has done. And I understand his reasons for you know, not necessarily re- revealing every item of information about his uh, potential Formula One team and, and and why he might not do that. But it, it is good to hear him speak. And when you do hear him speak, you know, quite often, um, you know, he, he reveals some information that kind of makes you feel a little bit more comfortable about, about the, you know, the status of the project and, um, you know, how much work is going on behind the scenes towards it already, even though, you know, we're obviously at a very early phase of the the, the kind of situation that we're in now, even though obviously they have been trying to enter Formula 1 for quite a long time now, um, but you can't just employ people for for years on end without, uh, you know, a proper job and, and without, a, you know, obviously a career and uh, an end goal in sight. So, um, yeah, I found that really interesting that they kind of made some progress in those departments as well and gave a, lent a little bit to the substantialness of the progress that they've made. Yeah, and there's still some work to be done, quite a lot of work to be done, including actually getting that entry, including the entry process opening, because it's just a attempt to start to launch an expression of interest process. And, and Scott, this doesn't shoot down the possibility of other teams, does it? There's still others floating around who could be candidates to be not necessarily even alternative 11th teams, but 12th teams even. So it's quite positive all around for F1, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And uh, F1 wasted no time in um, communicating that uh, Andretti may be making more noise about its ambitions today with a significant announcement, but there are other teams in the mix as well. And some of them haven't even gone public with their ambitions. Um, 
there is uh, there's a piece that I wrote uh, around Christmas on who the potential new F1 teams could be. Um, I think a few serious, very serious contenders are listed within that piece, so you can go and find that on the race website. Uh, there will be a video as well on our YouTube channel in a, in a few days' time, sort of going over the same topic. If you prefer to consume your content through video format rather than the written word, um, but the point is that there have been people sniffing around for a while and. As ever with F1, it is a mix, like manufacturer brands, wealthy individuals, um, keen aspirants from elsewhere within motorsport that want to get into F1 from from experience in other categories, for example. And F1 is in such a healthy place right now. We talked about this the other day in terms of, I, d- I don't think there is a, I don't think there's been a better time to get into F1 in terms of knowing roughly what your spending will be and being able to do it with sort of sensible planning and, and a reasonable expectation of a good return on investment as well. So there are definitely more people sniffing at the door. Andretti has been the most vocal. I think this puts it front of the queue. I would be stunned if any other... I'd be stunned if any other prospective entrant is either as advanced as Andretti Cadillac or as punchy in terms of its combination but there will still be very, very credible ones out there, I'm sure. So maybe there'll be, I mean, there could still be no new teams accepted, but whether they're, even if one of the teams accepted is Andretti and Cadillac, who knows, there could be one or two others as well if um, F1 thinks that they're up to it. Presumably the next podcast will be put up or show up Scott Mitchell and he'll be the next Formula One entrant to, to come in and it'll be completely successful based on the previous podcast. Yeah, we'll just come up with a list of people we'd like to come in that we think would be good for F1 and uh, Scott can throw down the gauntlet and we can test out the theory that he's the one that triggered all this. But it's certainly good news for F1. This bid now has real substance behind it and if everything is as it seems, then absolutely it should get an entry and hopefully that will be the case. Well, thanks to Jack Benyon and Scott Mitchell-Malm. Head to therace.com for more on the Andretti Cadillac project and all other goings on in the world of F1. And also have a look at Jack Benyon's excellent writings on IndyCar while you're there. Remember, the race's other podcasts, including Bring Back V10s, which is now in season seven, and our IndyCar podcast are well worth listening to. And also take a look at our YouTube channel. It may be early January, but there's plenty going on. So stay with us for everything you need to know from the world of Formula One. The Athletic.